0: out the myths, misinformation, and BS
1: in the wellness industry, this is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the world, it's the podcast that's sponsored by delicious Goya beans, eaten by elected officials everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, I just had to do that. I'm actually really glad that I hate rice and beans because, yes. uh, I would, I just don't know where to fall on this whole thing. Like, oh my God, is this another thing that I have to like boycott or stay away from? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know my, my wife was having a hard time finding a substitute because I guess we used Goya beans too, but, uh,
0: yeah, there's absolutely no other beans on the market. This is a real tough spot we're in. <laughs>
1: it's a real, it's a real issue right now. So, uh, welcome back everybody. Uh, we're going to talk today about Lyme disease but first, we're going to get started with our normal kind of flow that we've been following for the past few weeks here, where we're going to talk about COVID, we'll talk about my weight, and then we'll get right into the Lyme disease conversation. Check out WoodstockVitamins.com for all of our products, of course, and then um, my content. So I, I write lots of articles. If you don't know that already, and I, I always do... like There's a site called LongReads.com. I need to get on that. Mm-hmm. That's where all the long blog articles go, I guess. I'm like, oh, all of my stuff is made for that. So yeah, that's where I got to... I start pumping all my, my <laughs> content over there.
0: Anyone who's new to the podcast, that's Dr. Neil. I'm Dana.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. That yeah. people, We just got right into the silliness. Did, well, it
0: was a good joke. It was worth it. All right. I pre-
1: <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, COVID
0: yes. Go oh ahead. my God. Let me pull up these articles. This is bananas. Well, first of all, um, yeah, Bolsonaro, uh, anyone who doesn't know who that is, that's the president of, of Brazil, botched Brazil's COVID response just like Trump did ours. And Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, who recently hosted a Trump rally, no masks required, both tested positive for COVID. And if any of you are appreciating this schadenfreude like I am, mm-hmm. it is delicious. But uh, I'm not going to speak for Neil because he has a lot more empathy than I do.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I am rubbing my two fingers together and it's the <laughs> smallest violin, violin in the world, you know? Totally. Yeah, you know, I. It sucks. I don't want them to get sick because then they get other people sick and then my healthcare worker peoples get crushed in these hospitals because we don't have PPE because everything stinks right now. So I don't want it to happen. I don't want people to have to suffer. But I mean, it's like, at what point do they stop with their posturing and do what's responsible?
0: Exactly. Um,
1: We we had some good news uh, that I want to share because this is probably on tap to what you're talking about. mm. The CDC published a report about two hairstylists that had COVID-19 and spent at least 15 minutes with 139 clients.
0: Yes, I saw that.
1: Nobody got covid because everybody wore their masks yes which is incredible so indoor stuffy poor air circulation probably you know reasonably close i know a lot of places are doing what they're supposed to do uh with distancing and such but it speaks volumes
0: it really does there's actually more good news go um oxford researchers have found um a vaccine that is not only producing antibodies, but also T cells. Now, if anyone is of our generation, you're familiar with T cells because that was exactly. Um, but for younger, uh, for younger listeners, T cells are really important for fighting disease. And so for this vaccine to show initial, um, to show initial response in the test subjects, that it is also creating T cells along with COVID antibodies is huge.
1: Yeah. We, I want to have somebody that's a vaccine specialist on to debunk some of the concerns around the vaccine um, and give us some more insight information on it. I tried a couple places, but a lot, everybody's like super proprietary right now. They don't want to talk about anything. So that stinks. But, uh, but yeah, that's great. The vaccine is going to be good. I think we have lots of old technology that we're using here, so we won't be starting fresh and it seems safe already, right? They've already done all that, that stuff. So it's really about what's the lasting response. Can we do this yearly? Can we do this once and be done with it? That would be awesome. But mm. but anyway, so that's all good information. Um, CDC also said if the country put on masks 100%, we would have control from where we are right now, which is abysmal, uh, in only four to eight weeks.
0: That's and, incredible.
1: Yeah. That's how amazing these things are at blunting the spread of this stuff. So I think it's important that we pay attention to our mask mandates and we do what we're supposed to do. Something I wanted to talk about last week is, uh, you know, cause I'm out there in the social media world, trying to, you know, change the world, right. Uh, to help people understand, I guess, you know, s- say in a way that people that don't want to listen might want to listen, you know, and one of the things that always gets parroted back is when you talk about the cases that the death numbers are going down. Right. Yeah. And. So besides kind of the stupidity of that sentiment, not paying attention to the past seven months, how we know that the cases get bad, hospitalizations get bad, and then people die which we're on that second part yeah. <laughs> right now where the hospitalizations are increasing. My buddy's a hospital pharmacy director, a big group of hospitals. And he said that they're just telling people to report. They're just saying, just come yeah. into work. I don't care, you know, whatever, we need help. And they're full. You know, the ICU is almost about full. You know, oh it's, it's be- becoming a mess. And so we're getting to that point where things are going to start to switch. But what I was going to say was that there is a real possibility that the fatality rate could go down. Um, and not the deaths going down themselves. There's a, like, you know, the, the talking point, oh, it's, it's weaker now. That's not true. That's not true at all. Nobody should think that nobody should support that mindset. It's been pretty much conclusively stated that this mutation is the mutation we've been dealing with and it's as bad as it's ever been. It's not getting weaker, but there are three things that could make the death numbers look better. So first and foremost, we know how to treat it better. So we have uh, access to protocols that actually work, not the crazy stuff at the beginning, like let's give people IV vitamin C, you know, like all of that stuff that was going on or Plaquenil. um, Mm -hmm. And we know conclusively what is working and some stuff that uh, definitely does not. So that's good. Second thing, there's a lot of young people that are testing positive. Now they're in the group that might have better survivability. Yeah. So that's good. So we might have better outcomes from that. We'll know about the the darker side, which is the morbidities. Are those younger people more or less likely to have these organ damages that we're seeing? Uh, I think there was a paper published that f- almost half, so I don't want to say 50%, but almost half of the people found some sort of heart damage.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, we're still waiting on that long-term. And that's, you mm-hmm. know, there's another, if I could just interject quickly, mm-hmm. Florida's... Um, Florida's rates right now, Mm -hmm. they tested children, elementary age children, 33% are positive for COVID, Mm. which the whole state is only 11%. So that's really Mm. upsetting, especially when it comes to reopening schools. But these are children testing positive for this novel virus. And at this young age, they might have these morbidities for the rest of their lives. And will that even shorten their lives? We just have to wait and see. It's it's really like, it's upsetting, but- you know, Florida, <laughs> Go Florida. Yeah.
1: Well, the last one kind of goes into this idea of Florida. So three reasons why the death numbers were going down. We're treating it better. Young people are testing positive. They may be more resilient to Death and not the other stuff, but the last is that they're fudging the numbers. Mm. Um, we know that they don't want uh, the CDC. Uh, they don't want anybody reporting the CDC now. They want to take control of it at the White House, which is you know very scary. And we already know that there's excess deaths everywhere that weren't counted as COVID deaths and all this other thing. So um, you know the whole verbiage of like it's being overreported. That's been shown. That's like an abject lie. Like that is not true. It's actually underreported if anything. So those are the three reasons I would say that those numbers would go down from a death perspective. So I would not trust them to be quite honest with you, unless we knew conclusively that we weren't fudging the numbers, but it's pretty active that we're doing that. So then that brings us to the last part of our COVID conversation today, which is the school side of things. (laughs) Uh, We've talked about this a few times on here, but a lot of my conversation on my social accounts is around schools over this past week, just because it's a conversation in my house right now. We're not going to send the kids back to school this year. Um, my wife's going to do homeschooling if they don't offer some sort of virtual thing. So she's like actually gearing up right now. Like, What's the math curriculum? Like all of that, they'll probably get a better education at home, I think, than they were at school. Because Aaron's going to be like, oh. yeah, you're going to like no, yeah. no jerking around here. So,
0: well, I'm actually mm-hmm. right now. What I've been working on personally at home is putting together a step by step process of everything. Anyone who has never done any sort of media production, like, is completely ignorant to how to upload to YouTube. You know, record. Create thumbnails, anything like that. I'm putting it together, and I'm halfway through it. I'm trying. I want to uh, present it to the local superintendents because a lot of my friends have said that they they were lost teaching their kids, and their kids were lost without that kind of guidance. So I'm thinking yeah. to myself, if teachers can record. You know, like record videos of their lessons and upload them to YouTube so that the kids, it would be like they would be teaching a class. I think that would help a lot of students. I don't think it would right. um, help like everyone, but, uh, you know, I, I could be flatly refused by the superintendents, mm-hmm. but I just, you know, if it'll help some of the kids, then. Well, I said know. to
1: my wife this morning, like, Everybody and their mother streams themselves playing video games. Why can't we stream these teachers?
0: Exactly. These, they,
1: everybody's got smartboards. So the smart board on one side, the video of the teacher on the other. Then there's the conversation about like, should we just have half days? But let me let me just kind of start yeah, yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, when it comes to schools, my because how does this fit into wellness and myths and misinformation? Well, I don't want others to frame a narrative for you. That's one of the like undercurrents that I try to teach people because natural products versus medicines is one of those framed arguments, right? So just even calling them natural products or calling medicines drugs, that's a way to manipulate your opinion on the matter. Of course I want natural and drugs are bad, okay? Right? So like (laughs) we don't want drugs because drugs are what addicts use and natural products sound much safer and healthier right and so the current school narrative is what's the acceptable number of deaths like what are we okay with and it is so transparent so we we have the media discussing it and then like devos and like all of these administrators talking about it and then it's proliferating into the conversation because when i Post or say something about like how this shouldn't even be a discussion. People will say, "Well, there. What about auto accidents? Right? What yeah. about regular illnesses like the flu? Right? Both of those are silly arguments, right? So, I mean, our response to COVID is kind of like watching a car crash in slow motion. Uh, <laughs> but the auto accident thing doesn't go any farther than that. Um, but you know, somebody gets in a car crash. The the people in the crash then don't go on to kill more people after the accident's done, right? Mm. Um, and you know in the car crash sense of things of, yeah, we don't want car crashes. We don't want people to die from car crashes. So I would love it if we had the human element removed from it, right? And then we do self-driving cars and then the death rates, they've already done the studies, would reduce it to like a sliver of what it would actually be, right? Right. And, And so then we would get it as close to zero and then that number would be considered the quote unquote acceptable. And, but we would want to keep moving it towards zero to get it as low as possible. So I'm, I don't accept <laughs> 180,000 automobile deaths or whatever the number is every 12 seconds in this right. country. I don't accept that. And the flu, just give me a break about the flu. I don't want my kids to die from the flu, so we encourage immunization, right? And if everybody did what they're supposed to do, then yeah, there would be a lot less deaths from flu, right? If everybody wore a mask when they're sick or they isolated, the flu wouldn't be an issue. So I don't accept the flu deaths. When people brought that out initially, like when we we first got wind of this and how it seemed to be killing only elderly people and it was just like, they would either die or they'd be okay. We were like, oh, okay. So it's similar to the flu. So, you know, in that regard. But now we know this is a completely different animal, right? And it, it does all of this horrible stuff. But even then the argument that flu deaths are acceptable is a framed and manipulated argument. They're not acceptable. People have been working very hard to try to get that number down to as low as possible. Um, So I think that the number of deaths from any communicable disease is too high. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's just like, you know, if you say that I'm okay with any of that, that's pretty foolish. And I'm not cool with any of it. I think that people are resigned to the fact that some people will die from flu, right? That That's really yeah. what's going on. Most people are resigned to the fact that, well, we've got all this stuff, nobody's doing it, so this is what the deaths are going to be, right? That's a lot different than saying, you know, like if you've given up hope and you want, and you're saying, okay, 180,000 or 2 million or whatever the number is of normal deaths from whatever thing, you're okay with that. You've resigned to that. And I said, with COVID and with kids, I'm actively fighting this situation. The narrative shiftings people's mindset to be resigned with that idea already, right? They're saying, well, it's only 0.26% or it's only this, or it's going to be this. And it's like, you've given up the idea that we need to fight for this. And we, none of these lives lost are acceptable. So these kids aren't collateral damage to the failures by the national and state leadership. None of this crap is normal right? And so my message to everybody around the school stuff, which is the same as all of this wellness stuff, is be aware of this. The arguments get framed for us all the time. And we don't have to buy into these false dichotomies. Like We don't have to be okay with any of it. And we shouldn't be the ones actively normalizing it for other people, right? We shouldn't be saying that, ah, oh, you know, it's only 0.26%. Well, if you look at like, what was it? Orange County, California. I think that's like, uh, it was like 142 kids or something stupid Jeez. like that. I'm like, that's 140 kids. Like that would be like five bus crashes that we could prevent, yeah. you know? And like where literally everybody died on the bus. It's it's nuts. And, so, you know, Don Lemon, I think on CNN was talking about how it's it's like 50... Airplane crashes a week, oh my God, yeah, like that's the number where everybody gets wiped out. That's what we what we have so far, and we we've normalized it, right? yeah, and uh, speaking of normal and a little political, we drove past a car that was uh rocking a flag for a politician, and so my kids are like what's what's that about? I'm like, all right, so three three things, right? first and foremost, this is not normal, and it's not cool, right? It's not cool two. Never ever ever own a flag for a f- stupid freaking politician. Yeah. like get a hat, right get a t-shirt, get a bumper sticker. that's all the normal stuff. Flags take the symbolism to a whole new level uh, which you know again because of what we what we in this country think of flags right. right and And the third thing is is have good enough self-esteem where you don't feel the need to project onto the world which club you belong to. Yeah, right. Uh, so that was just my, uh, second little bit of tension and big mouth ranty type <laughs> stuff that I wanted to talk about just because this is just a weird freaking time and we're okay with it. Like stuff, like, that guy should be told, like, just put that flag above the American flag. Cause that's really what you want to do. Right. Just put that up above that flag because that's where that symbolism sits in your heart. And as a result of all of the symbolism, you're causing a greater divide. So just, just. Go all the way. Don't half ass it. Just go and just be that guy that is putting your low self esteem and self interest above everybody else because that's really what's
0: going on. Well, I think what that implies is that this person knows that they're being a jerk. They know that their opinion is wrong. Like it goes against humanity. And, uh, you know, I think we all know who we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, just. Like you said, just advertise what a bigot you are. Mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah, we're, I mean we can see it.
1: it's, it's don't own something. the symbolism is, is what's got to go right So anyway but the, the back to the schools thing, just as an aside, these decisions are being made by people meeting over video conference. Mm. so they won't even get in the same room together because it's unsafe, and they want to pack the kids into a school bus and then pack them into a school, and then it's going to be okay. Like, give me a break if you can't even have your meeting together, right? They want these kids and the families to sign waivers that they're not going to be held responsible, so who even knows if those waivers are going to matter at all. Um, So so my thought is that we're not going to send these kids to school, and hopefully that will take the pressure off. If everybody did that that could, then, like, yeah, it would be like, maybe a quarter to half the kids won't be there. Right. Right. That's great. And then they'll be able to social distance easier. It'll be less stress on the teachers, all of that stuff. So I think like, I feel like it's almost like a a responsibility thing to help out. And, um, you know, the other thing is like, it's not going to be the same school's not going to be school. I mean, I've read some of these protocols and some of the stuff that these people, they're talking about like three feet of plexiglass around the desks, like they're (laughs) gerbils and they're gonna have like little water bottles and stuff like that. And like the 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 wood shavings on the bottom. Um, but my kids, I think we should do that anyway. Kids are gross. (laughs) They are gross. My kids, it's like, they want to go back to school. I'm like, you want to go back to normal is what you want. You're going to go back to school and it's not going to be normal and, and it sucks. And so, yeah, so if we, here's the thing about like the, the acceptable deaths and that narrative, right? So if we had a vaccine, right. And we we would have mortality. There's going to be, people that are going to still get it despite the vaccine being available. So I'm not like deluded and saying, oh, it's going to be all or nothing. I know that there is going to be death, right? But in that vein, we would want immunizations to everybody. We'd want to wash our hands. And then if we're sick, we want to blunt the potential spread, contact tracing, masks, distance, Isolation Stay the freak home, right? Let's have a society where we don't have to go to work when we're sick. Exactly. Normalize wearing masks when you're sick, right? And tax and, Amazon and tax and I guess, sure, yeah, they, they suck. everybody sucks like in this country. so oh, because so, they
0: could pay us to stay home. That was the other part oh, of I that.. Got it, got it. <laughs>
1: But yeah, that's that's it. So I believe just like when it comes to all of this conversation around all of this stuff, none of it's okay. Don't let them normalize the the deaths. These kids aren't collateral damage. There is going to be mortality, but by us going, man, eh, some kids are going to die. That's not us fighting for that minimal mortality number. That's us just resigning the fact that this is okay. And and you know, don't let these people frame these arguments for you. And make you pick sides. So.
0: Uh, as like whimsical yet relevant. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, this kind of wanders a little bit into politics. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people arguing about fascism and they don't understand what fascism is. They've got it completely twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: totally. So fascism is like in, in, in the relationship to the podcast without getting people pissed off at us is the, the attack on truth. Yes, That's a fascist trait. So that's probably where you're going with that. I just want to make sure that we don't get into like politic land. I suck at all that stuff too, but like, (laughs) I I mean, I I would love to talk. I should have a separate personality for all my politics stuff, (laughs) but, um, but so the fascism stuff, I agree that that is in that kind of pile.
0: Yeah. All I was going to say is that if. If you yourself are not clear, then just read up on it real quick, just like a little refresher. And if you have children, now is the time Mm -hmm. to teach them about World War II if they haven't learned about it yet, Mm -hmm. uh, because it just...
1: Yeah. I mean, and Wikipedia, so like fascism, even libertarianism, conservative, liberal, those are good topics, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and another one, like racism, bigotry, discrimination, get the, the difference between those three things right? because that always ends up being an issue, you know? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so now on to my weight. Yes. Nothing new to report. I'm Uh-oh. just still dropping the one and a half pounds a week, which is good, so I'm at 230. And so that puts me about 25 pounds to like ideal and 20 pounds from the target. So I was said 210 is good where job. I'm going to go. So we got some ways to go. I uh, started getting a little bit more regimented right? And so I bought a scale Uh-oh. and I started like measuring stuff. So I, you know, I got my peanut butter jar here, right? And I eat peanut butter as my snack. And so I said, all right, let me take a normal scoop. Like I take a teaspoon and it's like a heaping. There's like, you know, gratuitous heaping Right. and then there's the heaping. So I, I just measured that. I'm like, oh, okay. That's one third of a serving where I thought it was one, uh, one fifth of a serving. So I, I thought I was, uh, I thought I was uh, doing better than I was. So I'm like, oh Jesus. So I actually been overeating technically the peanut butter. If I had six of those a day, when yeah. I thought I could have six, you know. So so just you know, getting a little bit more regimented, just uh that idea um of measuring stuff. My trainer, Anthony, who probably wants to come on the podcast talking about muscles and stuff like that, oh, I think yeah. it's important. And uh but he so he's jacked. He's just like one of those he's like a genetic freak, Go but he on. works really hard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'll come in for that one. Uh he's like just shredded, like perfect he's just gorgeous like uh, beautiful eyes <laughs> uh, so anyway. bedroom eyes silky <laughs> yeah. hair so um so anyway so he tells me that his reset day so he has to eat like four thousand calories a day or some wow. insane amount because he's got to keep yeah. the muscles up and um and like <laughs> i'm just so jealous he's like i, I go i eat two pounds of uh, uh chinese food from the mid-hudson buffet and then i have like skittles <laughs> i'm like i oh do my too God. but i don't work out yeah exactly i was gonna say that's what got me into this mess yeah yeah uh, that's an awesome Sunday. Are you kidding me? Like I would totally do that. God, I so. missed the buffet so bad. <laughs> um, otherwise, my protein's a little bit low, so I got back on the collagen train. I actually, mix it with my coffee, which is pretty awesome. So then I get you know two for the price of one. Little energy, little protein. So um, I am disappointed that I haven't taken this opportunity to use my little joke that I've stolen. Um, so I'm going to use it now. So mm-hmm. ready? So as a weight loss coach, there are three things that you need to do to lose weight. So it's clean eating regular exercise and I can't stress this last one enough cocaine <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love that joke every time I see it um, <laughs> uh, but actually it's kind of funny because that is what I tell people when they come in and they want to talk about supplements that boost their metabolism and I said yeah we have those it's called blow you know yeah. uh, these are stimulants and what they do is they j- jump up your metabolism to an unhealthy level for a short period of time but then they come with all of those other liabilities.
0: Uh, can I speak honestly? Because sure. I used mm-hmm. to be quite the drug aficionado.
1: Well, I was going to say all the aging hippies that are here love the joke because they're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I dabbled," you know.
0: <laughs> uh, what I found is that I gained weight when I was on cocaine because it's usually <laughs> oh <my God>. cut. <laughs> it's usually cut with baby laxatives, so when you come down, you are starving and you overeat. Got I found it. that. Well, there you
1: go, folks. Just in case you needed to do some blow, make sure it's. Made with baking soda, not baking powder, because <laughs> otherwise you have muffins growing under your noses. You remember Scary Movie? That was one of my oh, favorite yeah, jokes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway. Um. Yeah. Heroin's much better for weight loss. Don't <laughs> okay, do either drug. Do not do them. <laughs> yeah. You know. But what? if you were wondering, that's what happened to me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah. Don't do any of that. So that's that's what I got. Um. But all right. So let's talk about Lyme disease. We've yes. touched on it a couple times. I do lots of articles and. I just want to start by prefacing that if you haven't been able to tell yet, I'm a moron. (laughs) It's been a long time since my clinical years, and I've been pretty devoted these days to supplements and supplement quality and running businesses. So It's been a long time since I've had my infectious disease unit. I've had uh, infectious disease experts on the show. Uh, I plan on having lots more. Um, So what I want to talk about when it comes to Lyme disease isn't like the comprehensive this is what it is. I want to talk about the misinformation and the perceptions that are wrong and address the myths that get in the way of people getting the best care that they can, right? I think that Lyme's disease is one of my, uh, what I call seven deadly deceptions, okay? Mm. These are real diseases that cause a real amount of suffering to people, but charlatans prey upon those people, usually because like the symptoms and like what people go through around those diseases are kind of like ambiguous, okay? So Lyme's disease is a great example. You, You feel like crap for a long time. And so the question that we have to ask is do you feel like crap because you eat like crap, you live like crap, you're making bad, you know, life choices or is it the disease? Right? And so I wrote a couple, an article a couple years back on the seven deadly deceptions and that'll probably be my second book. So uh, I haven't even gotten the first one done, but that's probably (laughs) what I'm going to do for the second one. So another example, another seven deadly deception is thyroid. Okay. And that's a great example because, a poorly managed thyroid can make you feel like crap, right? But so can a million other things, right? So you know, if your doctor, for you know, like all intents and purposes, says that your thyroid is normal, we want to first look at the other things that could contribute to you feeling like crap before we kind of go to Toontown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the idea of going into this like alternative space. Uh, even if we're there and we say okay so we're normal and now we want to use supplementation or some sort of alternative treatment we still want to use science and evidence to make sure we're using a quality product and that all of that stuff holds true for all of those deadly deceptions especially Lyme disease so we want to have real doctors involved in this process we want to be honest with the science and the evidence we want to treat the disease correctly and then we have to understand what role our lifestyle choices have in how we feel and how if we make better choices, we can feel better or at least eliminate the question mark are the things that I'm doing causing me to feel so bad.
0: That sounds like the wellness pyramid.
1: It does. You better believe it does. (laughs) It's weird how it all connects together. Mm. So this is the deal with Lyme disease, right? And I had a little thought actually when you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about this is that people think of Lyme disease like they think of COVID
0: you mm, Explain that.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they're trying to avoid it like the plague, right? I mean, like when you think of Lyme disease, what do you think about? Like, tell me like some thoughts that come to your mind. Imagine if the doctor said to you today, you got Lyme disease.
0: Oh I, yeah. I would be crestfallen to say the least. Um, I would feel I, I would be flummoxed for sure because I do a tick check and because I'm so allergic to poison Ivy, I tend to stay out of the woods anyway we always keep the grass cut at my house. I would be, I would actually be super pissed if I still ended up catching Lyme.
1: Right, and so how many people have done all the right things and then they get COVID, right? Yeah. And and then they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm upset now because of what this means. Because we have this narrative told to us about Lyme disease, about how it's this long, difficult to treat, debilitating illness, right? Yeah. And people talk about the aftermath for years, right? And so people want to avoid it like the plague even though we really can't say that as Americans because we have a viral plague right now and we're like taking shots at a crowded bar because this is America, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we can't say avoid it like the plague, but yeah, we would want to avoid Lyme disease at all costs because we wouldn't want that horrible stuff that's going on. So we kind of think about them in the same vein because of the potential implications of the disease, right? Yeah, good point. So it is an infection. It's a bacteria infection and this bacteria is a little bit of a beast. It's difficult to treat, it's got this weird reproductive cycle that's very long, you know, normally just like a much shorter, you know, turnover and expansion of the bacteria, with this one it takes quite a while. So if you get bit, it's about 30 days before you really even notice anything, and the bug itself puts up some protections, I guess is probably the best way to say it. I'll let an expert speak to that you know, whether it's valid or not. Um, But, you know, it's difficult to treat also because it gets deep into tissues, even when we're talking about like upper respiratory tract infections or even like skin and soft tissue infections. That's like on the surface, Mm -hmm. you know, it's right right where we can see it. So we can not only see it and watch it go away, but then we can kind of swab it. And then the damage is superficial. When you talk about this thing, it can get deep into muscle cells and nerve cells. So it, it can blow stuff up there. And that's what makes people... Feel so bad for Hmm. so long. So, um, but it's a bacterial infection, so we can use antibiotics, and there are antibiotics that work against it. So, mostly it's doxycycline and those kinds of medications, but even penicillins can be effective. Some people need IV therapies, which are much stronger depending on the illness, and the antibiotics work. There's a perception that they don't. And again, that I believe is just misinformation. We work with infectious disease doctors, they are very confident in. Lyme disease and how it flows. So, you know, this narrative that they either don't work or people don't want them because drugs are bad, right? So, here's what I would say when somebody's trying to like reset their mind about Lyme disease. I kind of split it into two different paths. Is the infection that you have really Lyme disease or is it potentially one of the other tick borne illnesses? That's an important differentiation. And the only person that can tell you that is an infectious disease doctor. Don't let these charlatans that are just kind of cashing in on the fact that the ticks don't have just Lyme disease. They have all this other stuff too.
0: That's don't. actually news to me. And mm-hmm. I've lived in the Northeast yeah. almost like 39 out of 40 years. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a thing. So they're spitting in you. So they're going to give you any bacteria they have and they have other illnesses. Oh, so I'm crying out so, loud. <laughs> So, you know, again, is it truly just Lyme or is it one of those other things? So now we're going to pretend that it is just Lyme. So, okay. Again, and the only people that can differentiate it for you are experts, not right. some blog. So the there are three kind of phases to a Lyme disease infection that people should know. Again, this isn't official. This is just me kind of spitballing. just trying to make it easier for you, give you some sort of uh, analogy to help your understanding of it. So we have the infection phase, so between getting bit and the symptoms and then through treatment until those symptoms go away, right? That's the infection phase. phase. Then we have this convalescence period, so this period after the infection where you're just kind of not yourself. And then there's this other phase that only happens some of the time, and it's called post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, Mm. and that's severe debilitating stuff.
0: That's probably what most of us have heard of and are afraid of. Yeah, that's exactly right. And
1: one of the other things I always like to help people understand when it comes to Lyme disease and understanding it is that most of us are hearing the anecdotes of people that were treatment failures and or just complete misses from like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so like before we got hip to treating Lyme disease better, I would say 2000 and before 2005 and before probably that's those people, you know, they would have gotten an infection, didn't get any antibiotics at all, and they did okay. And now everything's a hot mess, right? So mm. we have that. Uh, it it should be noted that um, one of the reasons why I can't get somebody on the podcast to talk, um, uh, I guess, openly and objectively about Lyme disease is that They are afraid of a certain population of people that make Lyme disease more of a personality trait than an actual infection. So I've actually had gotten four refusals from close friends that are in the infectious disease world and their peers uh, as well uh, because they don't want to come on because people will get death threats. And that's not even a joke. Like people will make death threats because somebody will talk and say like Lyme disease isn't as bad as some people are making it, okay? And that's why I want to make sure that people understand that I believe that with these deadly deceptions, these conditions are very real. The suffering is very real, and it is problematic, but I will also say that it's not as big of a deal as uh, charlatans make it, and so we have a choice. We can believe what they're saying, or we can believe what the evidence is telling us. So I try to be empathetic to everybody's kind of struggle with this whole thing but it should be said that there is a sliver of people that will still reject uh what I'm I'm saying even in in this kind of like middle path very like empathetic place you know Can you
0: expand Okay cuz this is also news can you expand mm-hmm. upon that a little bit they mm-hmm. Uh, uh, certain uh, doctors or
1: doctors, pharmacists, infectious disease specialists that I've asked on the podcast, they, they want to talk about Lyme disease and they will say that Lyme disease is an infection. We treat it, it goes away. And then there's certain, certain people that don't feel good after and want to blame the infection uh, on like these subversive causes. And like, they need all sorts of alternative treatments and they kind of go into like a weird place with it. And those people are so, um, I guess like, tribal about it or, uh, they get a little dramatic. And, um, we've had, again, the, the most recent person that rejected just outright told me the last time I talked about Lyme disease openly on a podcast forum, I got death threats.
0: That's bananas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and who, who is it that's threatening them? Other doctors? So, no,
1: no, no. It's uh patients. It's people out in the, the real world. And, uh, they are wrapped up in the ideology around, um, some of the, I guess, negative signals that these charlatans put out there about uh, Lyme disease.
0: Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Untreated or failed treated Lyme disease results in neurological impairment?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if even... So there's a... There's the that's luck, starting
0: to track for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, there's a luck There's a luck of the draw, right? So um, when you have an infection that can penetrate nerve cells, muscle cells, you will have damage. And most of us will recover for it. So let's go back to the phases because that might actually help. So you have this active infection. You'll feel like crap because mm-hmm. it's, it's like in your body and you're, in, you're fighting it. So we normally treat people, um, you know, with antibiotics and the treatment durations are short, much shorter than they used to be. People mm-hmm. used to take these antibiotics for years and all this other crazy stuff. We know now that like three weeks is really the most that you really okay. need. In fact, some doctors will argue the data points to the same results at two weeks than it is three weeks. Mm-hmm. And in general, antibiotics are being used shorter and shorter, because which right. is arbitrary, basically. So, and what makes it hard with Lyme disease is that, again, we can't swab and see if it's there or not. Right. So we, we don't know. And then the blood test doesn't really tell us if we have active infection. It just says, have we been infected by Lyme disease,
0: right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So
1: that, that that's just muddies the water. And this is why yeah. it becomes such a thing for charlatans, because they can say, oh, you don't feel good? It's Lyme disease. Your doctor's lying to you. Here, take my protocol. Here's my consult fee, and you'll feel better. And what ends up happening is they'll either put them on antibiotics or they'll put them on a ton of supplements. And all of these things aren't doing anything to any infection. What they do is they have these general anti-inflammatory components. And if you take a bunch of straws and pile them up, you'll eventually break the camel's back. So using antibiotics for a long period of time would make people feel better, but it wasn't actively treating any infection because those antibiotics we know very well have an anti-inflammatory component to them, mm-hmm. right? So you can take doxycycline for a year and you'll feel great even though there's no active infection because of the anti-inflammatory component. People will say, take these 10 herbs. These are herbs that will kill Lyme disease. Well, herbs are plants and plants have polyphenols and other anti-inflammatory compounds in them. And again, if you pile them all up on top of each other, yeah, you're gonna feel better. Is it any different than using like Advil? Potentially not, right? And because again, if we're talking about this idea of an infection, we have to have something get into our body and then penetrate deep into those tissues and concentrate it enough that will actually kill the infection. And the truth of the matter from infectious disease expert after infectious disease expert, that doesn't happen. (laughs) It just does not happen Um, with herbs. Uh, And I know that from my studies with herbs, Like the reason we think that these herbs have antimicrobial activity is mostly because of in vitro studies or Petri dish Mm -hmm. studies you, you know, stevia was a thing, like a sweetener, like, oh my God, if you use stevia, it'll stop Lyme disease. That's because somebody took a freaking test tube and then they, they, uh, or a Petri dish and then they poured a bunch of step and lime Lyme was grown it and they poured a bunch of stevia on it and it killed it. Well, guess what? Salt water will do that too, you know? <laughs> and so the question that I would say to people around this misinformation was, what if you took that stevia and put it in your body? How much needs to get to that site? Well, guess what? Stevia isn't absorbed. That's why artificial sweeteners and, and Diet Coke kills your gut flora because it's just sitting in your gut and it's not getting absorbed, right? So, so we have this deception, which is coming from this group of people trying to, um, you know, if you, if you even take the most, um, positive look at this whole thing and say they're trying to help people Mm -hmm. feel better, they're not doing it in a healthy manner. You know, they're, they're, they're just trying to sell their stuff and make money off of these people that are desperate and they want to feel better. Right.
0: Desperate and potentially brain damaged was what I was trying to get to the oh, root of. yeah, I mean... And not, because yeah. that's, that could possibly happen from untreated Lyme.
1: Yeah, you can have cognitive decline, but I don't think that that's as big of a variable. I feel like the neuropathies and stuff that we see and, and that is is more around like skeletal muscular pain, I don't think that it's something that would... Uh, I mean I would hope not. But again, I'm really
0: basing this off of that uh season of the real world that that crazy (laughs) girl with the lime
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, she's probably crazy girl. I think she might
0: actually be deceased at this point. Oh no,
1: that sucks. Yeah. Let's not joke about her. All right. Too late. Do the 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 thing. All right. So the luck of the draw, right? So we were talking about that concept. I want to dig into that a little bit because we have people that suffer from shingles. Yes. Right? That's a horrible thing. Um and shingles can manifest as like a little bit of a rash to something tiny bit painful. So like one of our guys here had to get three epidurals uh, to manage his pain. And it's actually one of the leading causes of suicide in elderly people. Like that's how bad shingles can be, right? And we've had somebody that you know gets a rash, no big deal. But then we had somebody that will like have paralysis on one side of her face, almost like a palsy, right? And Mm -hmm. we have somebody with like shooting pain for the rest of their lives. And it just so happened that the virus infected that particular part, tore up that part, and now it's broken. Yeah, and so that's what can happen with Lyme disease. That's a real threat and a concern. So that, so I will be the first one to say, like n- you're not making things up. This is a very real kind of uh, problem that we have to deal with. But it doesn't mean that you have an infection, and that's an important distinguishing characteristic. People believe that they, because they feel bad, it's they still have an infection or they're reinfected or something like that, and. And that's not necessarily true. It could just be damage. And there's two places where you'll see this damage. So first is in this convalescence period. So actually one of the local infectious disease doctors gave me this analogy. And he said, basically, when you break a bone, you have put a cast on. And then as soon as the cast comes off that day, you're not going to go run a 5k, right? So there's a period where you have to like readjust, where you have to build your strength back up and you're not going to feel like yourself for a while. And we have to understand that that's a part of it. And that's the same thing that happens with all infections. Uh, So if you have an upper respiratory tract infection, how many people come to me and say, I've been coughing for four weeks, right? I've been sick for four weeks. No, no, no. You were sick for like five days. Your body overreacted and you have all this damage that your body has to clean up and there's just mucus everywhere. So you can cough. Oh yeah,
0: I got a a flu... uh, it was like Christmas of 2005. And I did not feel like myself again until August of 2006. There mm-hmm. was a, that whole time I was like, am I ever going to get my strength back?
1: Right. And if it's it strong enough and it does enough damage, then your body's going to be cleaning up for a while. So we have this convalescence period. And in this period, people will not feel like themselves. And what I really recommend people do is really listen to your body and and just nap if you have to. Dial things back, right? And then there are some people that can have so much damage that they fall into this bin, post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. And this is the closest thing that we can call quote-unquote chronic Lyme. Uh, Chronic Lyme tends to be associated with the charlatans. That's the messaging that they send. And so when you say to a doctor that I have chronic Lyme, that will normally be a signaling thing. And some doctors are jerks. I'm going to be honest with you. Like they don't want to have an open dialogue. They're going to assume that you're going to make death threats to them about it. Just like my friends got the death threats because some people go to a crazy place with it. They go to an extreme, right? And and they take it to a level where you don't really need it to be. So when you're talking about Lyme disease and you're fearful of this stuff, you know, be careful the words you choose because people get all hung up on it on both sides, right? So right. the doctor side, the patient side, everybody gets hung up on stuff. A doctor will downplay how severe this is, and that sucks. And then a patient will say, oh, I've got this horrible thing that's technically made up, right? And the doctor will go, oh, that person listened to this person. And it just ends up becoming like a freaking war, and we don't want that. So we want people to get treated and, and feel better. So the post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, that's something you should definitely look up and, and see what's involved in that. But essentially it's it's these long-term repercussions from this infection and all of that stuff is real. So that post-treatment Lyme disease is what scares us. I think we touched on that already. So the idea here that I want you to consider is that what can we do? So we talked about rashes last week, right? People come in, they say I have eczema or psoriasis and I go, I don't really think it's either one of those. I have no idea, I'm a moron. Right. <laughs> I'm just looking at red raised skin. So what do we have in these four walls that can help you, right? And so when somebody has Lyme disease, what what do we have that can actually work? What really works? So we talked about there's a lot of um, misinformation about supplements targeted for Lyme disease. I would just throw that all away. Just don't even consider most of that. We can talk about things individually, but most of those protocols are just nonsense. But again, following the wellness pyramid, Mm. we can feel a lot better. So we want to eliminate the idea of, our choices making us feel bad or is it the disease, right? We want, we want to kind of get, get to some sort of baseline with our thought process. So we have to eat well. And when I say eat well, like you want to eat, like your life depends on it. Like what I'm eating right now, you right. know, I'm freaking eating like a, a gerbil, you know, <laughs> uh, I guess gerbils eat well, but, um, you know, I, my wife, a lot of fiber, <laughs> my wife made cookies, like her cookies, like those yeah. are amazing. They're, uh, they're like the, the heroin that you were talking about. I, I haven't tried heroin, but um, but they're very addicting. I could probably eat like a dozen. That's 24, right? Is a dozen? That's right? two dozen. That's, that's what I would normally eat is 24. So whatever that number Jeez. is. Uh, so, um, so I had none, like no junk food. So you have to really clean it up. Like no simple carbohydrates, small frequent meals, balanced macronutrients, lots of fluids Uh, Very important. Staying hydrated is very important. You want to supply your muscles, your nerves with as much food and nourishment as possible. Because you'll notice, right? If your brain's a little bit hungry, we would normally feel a certain way. When you have like something that's affecting your nervous system, you're going to know it. And so that's where a lot of this comes from. Is like people need to really clean it up. and. Then, you know, like regular exercise and rest and sleep and all of these things are very important to get as much as you possibly can. And it may not be normal, but you have to just push as much as you possibly can. Then again, vital five, somebody comes to us and say, I have Lyme disease, what supplements can I take? The only things I'm recommending are the vital five. It's normally like omega-3 high dose for the general inflammatory effect and just the nerve health part of it. And probiotics are, of course, very important to help with just general uh, health and wellness, as we've talked about a million times. Protein, eating enough protein, great. And then, uh, you know, the last one that I'll stress to people is uh, whole food B vitamins. So we don't eat a lot of organ meats, and you know, the the concept of B for stress, you know, that comes (laughs) up quite a bit. I don't really kind of go there with that. I I think the isolated B's aren't that great, but we have a whole food B formula that does make people feel better in that regard because it's like wheat germ and barley malt and stuff like that. I don't eat, you know, and with some liver and stuff like that. So that helps people. So those are the the where I would like keep it uh, because all of this excess stuff gets people really really confused and really worried and then they start doubting their own doctor and all of that. So so here's my my I guess my my take home message when it comes to all of this. You know, confusion is where the charlatans thrive, right? So if you don't understand these three phases of Lyme disease, the infection, the convalescence, and this post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, by just a general distrust of medicine or even conventional doctors, that breeds confusion, right? The just general fear about how ugly this thing could be, right? And then not feeling good or like these long-lasting effects compared to the lifestyle choices that makes our lives a little bit unhealthier, right? All of that inconsistency. And then the testing, it's just, a, it's just like COVID. Like we have no idea. Is it really real? Is it not? And so those things are what makes this a deadly deception, right? If, and in order for us to not get manipulated, uh, as we've talked about with this other stuff today, we have to be honest about all of those. So the advice is skip over all the nonsense right? If you start digging down the blog rabbit hole, you're going to find a lot of stuff that sounds promising, that sounds like it's going to, and you're going to even hear anecdotes. Of course, those are mostly made up, but some people do feel better with that crazy stuff. But I would say skip over it. See an infectious disease doctor as soon as possible. Listen to them and believe in what they're saying. Even if they're one of those jerks with bad bedside manners, listen to them. That's what they get paid for. They, They understand this stuff. And then understand how you can best care for yourself, right? So with the infectious phase, take antibiotics, rest. During the convalescence phase, listen to your body, right? Optimize your wellness. You know, we've talked about the wellness pyramid. And then if you find yourself in this post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, I definitely say go back to that ID doctor and go talk to the infectious disease gal or guy and get the advice from there, um, but know that you're you're not in an active infection phase, and know all of the stuff that you're seeing online probably isn't real or relevant to to making you feel better. Um, so I don't know. Does that summarize it nicely?
0: Yeah, that sounds. That's actually a lot of new information, and you know, like I said, lived here most of my life. I thought I knew about Lyme.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, it's been a struggle to try to get people to come on to talk to this. So it's not just me being a moron, spitballing about it. Again, my role is to debunk the myths. So if I hear somebody make a claim, I'm gonna look and see, is that real? And that's kind of where this philosophy comes from. And even some of the experts out there, they get into some of the weird spots, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, the idea of Lyme literacy is a new thing. Like, eh, I would just say really like infectious disease doctor, try to keep it as simple as possible and you'll you'll have better outcomes, so. Nice. All right, so that's it for this week. Uh, visit woodstockvitamins.com to check out all of our blog articles. We made a blog article about our, about our last podcast this week, so that was great. Uh, I've got lots of information about COVID, coronavirus vaccine is coming, so we'll be posting lots about that, but we can have lots of content around the supplements and that misinformation. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well.